Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Every day. Every day. All right, guys, it is episode number 257 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. Good to have you with us. I am your host, Chris Russell. Um, sorry, it's been a little bit of a wider gap than ideal uh, for us to get together for a new episode. But you know, life is what life is, and it has been just crazy. Uh, and uh, just trying to keep up with everything and trying to get everything uh, in order. We have a lot to get to on this particular episode. As always, make sure you check out the previous episodes, episode number 256. Uh, we talked about Doug Williams getting a little bit of a, an extension to his contract, a little bit of a promotion, and then also saying some interesting things. Uh, to Steve Weish of NFL Network at a Black Coaches Summit on Monday in Atlanta. And what he basically said, in case you missed it, and we put up the link and the video and all that uh, on at Locked Redskins, is that essentially when it comes to Dwayne Haskins, Jay Gruden himself, Doug, Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder were going to get together and basically make the decision. So that sparked some controversy, as it always does whenever Doug Williams speaks. Uh, one thing I wanted, before we get more into that, one thing I did want to mention before I forget is, you know, again, uh, Craig Hoffman and I, my colleague at 106.7 The Fan, did some co collaborating, if you will, on this uh, with Doug Williams and the one year rollover contract, meaning he's under contract for two more years through June of 2000. Uh, now 21. Um, originally, his contract was due to expire June of 2020, meaning after next year's draft and free agency period. Uh, so now he's under contract until June of 2021. Of course, that doesn't mean that he will be here the entire time, but right now he's under contract. Well, apparently, from what I've heard, Alex Santos, the director of pro personnel under Doug Williams and Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder for the Redskins has also accepted a one-year rollover to his contract. Um, now, again, I don't have the exact terms on that, but that's just what I was told by uh, sources. So one-year rollover for Alex Santos, the director of pro personnel. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, as far as I know, Kyle Smith, the director of college scouting, who's done such a tremendous job, uh, has not at least as far as I know, signed a one-year rollover as well. He is under contract through the end of next year's free agency and draft, meaning essentially early June of next year. And it is my understanding that he has not signed that. I don't know if he's even been offered it, quite honestly. Uh, I assume he has, but I don't know if he has. And he also, I know, has not signed anything. Or at least I haven't been told that he signed anything. So certainly a situation to kind of warrant and keep a check on and all that good stuff. Um, all right. So now that we've got that part out of the way, just wanted to quickly go back to the fallout from Doug Williams' comments. Uh, and again, in case you missed it, the link up at Locked Redskins. But basically Doug saying that it'll be a quartet of decision makers making the decision as to when Dwayne Haskins will start play, whatever. Listen. I have no problem at all, uh, and we mentioned this on episode number 256, but I, in, in, in detail with some time to kind of think about this, I have no problem at all with co-collaboration, with group decision-making, with input, um, with 
everybody kind of being on the same page, bouncing things, checks and balances, all that stuff. If that's what Doug Williams meant, and that they can come up to a consensus, and everybody's on the same page, meaning Bruce, Dan, Doug, maybe Alex Santos, maybe Kyle Smith, uh, um, the Kevin O'Connell, the new offensive coordinator, Bill Callahan, Jay Gruden, if everybody's on the same page, and everybody thinks the same way, and everybody co-collaborates and group decision makes a decision to start Dwayne Haskins week one, week five, week eight, uh, week ten, not at all, whatever, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And I think you should be too, because that's how a lot of people and a lot of successful people make good business decisions. However, if it's Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen making the decision, and this we'll never know because we're not privy ever to these meetings, maybe we would have had a better glimpse if Hard Knocks was there. But if this is truly Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen and or Bruce Allen making this decision, I want no part of it. Meaning, if it's a group decision and everybody's on the same page, and again, we'll probably never know this, no problem. If it's Dan and Bruce making this decision, no thanks. No thanks. That's basically how it sums up, and that's how it basically looks to me, you know, because I don't trust those guys. They don't know anything about football. They never will. Jay Gruden knows more about football in his finger than those two guys combined in all their years on earth. Sorry, that's the truth. And, again, Jay will put on a good face, and, you know, they'll probably shoehorn Dwayne Haskins in week one, week two, whatever it is, and that'll be that, and there'll be a big controversy, and there'll be a lot of questions, and nobody will have the answers, but that's basically how I look at it. All right, time to take a quick break here on episode number 257 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Back with much more. We'll finish up this and as well get into some more uh, items of interest, including Jordan Reed, Mohamed Sanu, uh, and uh, a little bit of uh, ex-Redskins updates right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us. Episode number 257. All right, it is episode number 257 of the Locked on Redskins podcast, episode number 257. Good to have you aboard with us. I am your host, Chris Russell. Quite honestly, I forgot whether or not we did this or not. Uh, there was a uh, article on NFL.com, I think, from Bucky Brooks about five uh, trades that he would make that would kind of sizzle things up and change the dynamic of the NFL. Uh, and they centered uh, a couple of the deals centered around Redskins, uh, one including Jordan Reed and one in- including Mohamed Sanu. Uh, honestly, I-, I can't keep track of what I do on a four-hour radio show, uh, on not an everyday basis, but on a regular basis, uh, and then also what I do on the daily podcast. So I'm going to have to go back and check whether or not we did this or not on episode, I believe it would be 255. Uh, but I just wanted to circle back and just throw it out there in case I didn't do it. But my suspicion is that I did do it and I did discuss it. Uh, and it's a couple of interesting choices. Uh, but uh, I'll try and get some clarity on that. I don't want to waste anybody's time if we already discussed it. My sneaking suspicion is that we already did it, uh, but I know I've been planning to get to it for a while. So uh, I won't spend a lot of time on that today. Maybe we'll get back into that uh, on another edition. Also, Matt Jones, remember him? Third-round pick, Scott McLuhan, 2015 draft. Everybody thought he was going to be the next stud running back, the next Marshawn Lynch, the next, well, 
He wasn't. He had a couple of big performances, including one in a home game week six of the 2016 season, I want to say, against the Philadelphia Eagles, part of a four-game winning streak, I think 220 yards or 230 yards or something like that. Uh, it was just a crazy, crazy day uh, for Matt Jones. Eh, maybe it wasn't that high. Maybe it was like high 100s, some, something around that. Uh, just a big day. Uh, and there wasn't much after that. There, there was a complete inability to stay healthy, number one, and a complete inability to hold on to the football, which is also Oh, by the way, Samaj P. Ryan's problem, uh, which nobody seems to want to talk about. I don't understand quite why, but it is what it is. Anyway, Matt Jones, the former third-round pick of the Redskins, he kind of bounced around to a couple of teams afterwards, uh, didn't really hang on with anybody. He's working out for the XFL this weekend. Uh, that is, I believe, the XFL Los Angeles Showcase, but I could be wrong on that. But he is working out for the XFL, as is Fred Davis, the former Redskins second-round pick, former franchise-tagged player. Uh, of course, Fred Davis ran into all sorts of... Um, you know, problems because of recreational drug use and all that. Uh, and Fred Davis has been out of the NFL for a number of years, and he is going to try and put his hat on once again and work out for the XFL. So I just wanted to bring those two guys and those two names. Certainly some controversial names in recent Redskins lore. All right, so we covered uh, the uh, Jordan Reed uh, and uh, Mohamed Sanu potential. Uh, again, I'll dig deeper on, on that as well, the Matt Jones and Fred Davis. We're going to end the show uh, this way because um, I wanted to save enough time for it. My buddy Ben Standig, who just joined The Athletic, he used to work for NBC Sports Washington, and I've known him for a long, long time. Uh, he's just a great dude, a very good writer. Uh, he breaks a lot of stories. Um, he's been on the podcast before. Uh, ben is just great. I think he was the original uh, host of this podcast, maybe, uh, or, or something along those lines. I know he did the Lockdown Wizards podcast. I mean, Ben is just a solid gold dude. Anyway, he joined The Athletic starting earlier this week. Week. And his first feature and first, um, you know, uh, I, I guess major, major project was a sit down one on one interview with Josh Norman. You can read the entire thing at theathletic.com. Uh, we posted part one of it. We'll post part two of it. But now we have our hands on part one and two. And I just wanted to pick through a couple of things uh, in this column and in this feature and and Ben writes it you know as talking about walking into Norman's 12,000 square foot home about 20 minutes from Redskins Park I don't know where exactly uh, Norman lives if you're familiar with the northern Virginia Loudoun County area uh, but apparently it's an 18 acre lot uh, and Ben shows a picture in the uh, column uh, but his signature JNO 24 logo is etched into the driveway at this house. Uh, so Norman apparently makes him put like shoe slippers on because he doesn't want to ruin the floor. There's all sorts of people there helping him. One lady who's booking a plane reservation, uh, one man who uh, says he helps Norman with some of his outside business activities. We all know he's got plenty of those. And we all know that he, in fairness, as much as I criticize him for that, he's also done some really good things for charitable, charitable endeavors, such as helping out a lot of people uh, with clean drinking water in Flint, Michigan. If you remember that whole situation, also uh, he is hosting an annual fun day uh, each and every year. He's already done it this year uh, for children in his hometown of Greenwood, South Carolina. And actually his brother, 
plays Mario Norman, plays for the Washington Valor of the Arena Football League, and the Valor uh, and the Norman brothers just announced a, a football, basically, skills camp uh, that you can find out more information for. Uh, it's a one-day event. There'll be Valor players and coaches. Um, it's coming up in July, I believe, and you can find out more information at WashingtonValor.com. So clearly, Josh Norman does some really, 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 really good things for charitable endeavors, right? Uh, but clearly, he's also paid to be, and paid very handsomely, uh, to be a top-notch corner. We know he's not, uh, despite whatever he says. Um, he's been good at times. He has never been great, in my opinion. Uh, but reasonable opinions and reasonable minds can disagree. Uh, he has not made the Pro Bowl since 2015, of course, it's now 2019. That would mean, well, 2016, 2017, 2018, his three years with the Redskins, he has not made the Pro Bowl. And, oh, by the way, neither of those years should he have made the Pro Bowl, if we're being totally honest. Got a new position coach. He's got a new safety in Landon Collins, new position coach in Ray Horton. So when Ben Standig of The Athletic now uh, did this interview with Norman, they broke it up into two parts. And Ben kind of picked through a bunch of big picture items. Uh, and then we'll get to the kind of meat and potatoes, the juicy stuff, if you will. Uh, so I just wanted to read you a couple of the quotes. Again, we'll put all this up. But for those of you that don't do Twitter, don't check uh, all that. I just want to bring it up on the podcast plus Quite honestly, it's important information and it's important perspective on a player that a lot of people thought, myself included, the Redskins should move on from. And we'll get to that part coming up in just a little bit. But Ben asked him about Dwayne Haskins, and he said, quote, the first look at the kid, he's imposing. He's big. He has a presence about him that spits out a big game, big play type. He has all the intangibles you need to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, and then he says, he's young, though. Oh, my God, he's young. And he's right. He's inexperienced and he's young. I mean, but the way they all say it, it makes me think that there's something missing there, that there's something quite not as mature and polished as people seem to think there is. I could be wrong on that. I don't know the kid uh, very well. I met him uh, for about a minute uh, at one of the OTA practices, I walked up the ramp for him, and it was hot, and he was sweating, and, you know, qu quite honestly, th there wasn't a lot gained from that meeting. I'm sure he has no, um, you know, no recollection of it, but I do, w whatever it's worth. Uh, he seems like a nice kid, um, but they all point out how young and inexperienced he is. All right, so Standig also asks him about realistic expectations, again, for Dwayne Haskins, he says, Norman says, quote, he has ability. The playbook right now is new to him. Everything is new. You can tell. It's not like college. He's been having some good balls and at times some bad balls. Overall, his competitiveness is what stands out. He'll go at you and see what he can get off of you. And he's beaten Norman a couple of times, and Norman has beaten him a couple of times on a couple of climb-the-ladder type plays and interception, uh, one interception specifically that I remember uh, where Norman just plucked it, uh, again, climbing the ladder over a receiver. Um, so certainly there is that part of it, right? 
and then Standig basically kind of asked Norman about what he thought of other players in other situations. Montez Sweat, quote, he's going to be a problem out of the gate. He's just so big. His length, good luck to tackles. He can reach you. He can catch you if you're a running back. I adjust my target. My angle is on point when he's coming because he looks like he's going to bring a whole bunch of fear and fire with him when he comes. That's a great quote. I love that. Uh, Also talked about Trent Williams and that whole situation. Uh, And I wanted to get to this. Standing, you know, basically talks about some of the training staff issues and has Norman expressed any concerns. He said, quote, me personally, I haven't been in the training room like that. He has played in 46 of 48 games with the Redskins during his time. Williams obviously has missed a bunch of games. Quote, I couldn't give you any insight in brackets um, into the situation. Every individual is different when it comes to that. I never had an opportunity where uh, an injury where I had to be in there for a long period of time. There have been guys that have voiced their opinions, but you have to find them. And apparently he laughed about this. You guys hear it. It's been out there. For me, they have treated me. I don't know anything else, but I haven't been misdiagnosed in any kind of way. That's me. So Norman is basically saying, I don't really want to talk about this, but he hadn't had any bad personal experiences uh, with that. And again, I don't think this is an injury prevention issue as much as it's an injury rehabilitation issue. And I've been very clear about that over and over and over again, even before Trent Williams. It's an injury maintenance and rehabilitation issue more than an injury prevention uh, issue. And Standig, uh, as part of the athletic piece, you know, talks about, hey, look, Trent Williams, you guys might not have the best player on your offense, the best player and tackle in football. And Norman basically says, yeah, a guy like that, yeah. Quote, he's the best tackle in football. How do you replace that? He said, then again, what can we meaning players, do about it. What would you give up? What would you rather lose? That's something they have to look at for themselves. Try to tackle the problem, I guess, as a ball club. Uh, As an individual player is looking out for the best interests of themselves first. The team is looking out for the best interests of the organization and to see what they need. I couldn't tell you. I haven't talked to Trent, so I don't know. But whatever is going on, I know he's a professional and he'll get it corrected. All right, so a pretty safe answer there. Uh, from Josh Norman on this particular issue of Trent Williams. So we'll leave it there. We'll come back for another round, and we'll finish up the Locked on Redskins podcast for today, episode number uh, 257, episode number 257, with a couple more highlights from Ben Standig's breaking um, development. breaking uh his first big piece with josh norman a sit down one-on-one interview with a controversial and outspoken uh, redskins corner the good stuff is coming trust me we're going to finish that up next on episode number 257 of the locked on redskins podcast thanks for being with us on lor all right fellas what's going on it is chris russell locked on redskins and let's talk about sex yes we talk about football occasionally we have to talk about other things and sometimes fun things. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, fellas. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients such as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. 
And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready to go, yes, you, whenever an opportunity arises. It isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a little extra function to enhance their performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No in-person doctor visit, no awkwardness, no waiting in the pharmacy. Made in the USA, Blue Chew prepares ships direct, cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. Get it now, guys. All right, it is episode number 257. We wrap it up with a couple more minutes from Ben Standig's athletic.com, one-on-one with Josh Norman. Uh, again, the entire piece up at The Athletic, uh, and we will post it. We've posted part one. We'll post part two at Locked Redskins. So there was this big controversy, if you remember, and actually I started it, uh, just being honest. Um, nobody's going to mention it, but we had the report, I think, back in – you know, late February, somewhere in that range. Um, and we mentioned it here on the podcast, and it was on 1067 The Fan and uh, thefandc.com about some coaches not being happy with Josh Norman and wanting him out, and Dan Snyder protecting him because he's a Hollywood icon and because he's got a buzz factor, an X factor, whatever. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, He's well-known, and he's controversial, and he's a, a lightning rod. Uh, so Standing followed up with Norman saying, hey, you know, at the owner's meeting, Gruden kind of threw you under the bus, and he said, effectively, I'd like to see you play at the elite level, uh, inferring that you haven't. What did you make of his comments? Uh, and basically Norman, you know, kind of said, well, what is his tune now? And Standing said, well, you tell me. And Norman said, well, his tune has changed. That's something that folks say. Do I accept it? No, of course. I didn't accept it. Why would, why, who would accept it when you go out there and create turnovers left and right, uh, when with Carolina, meaning, uh, and you get the turnovers you were asked to get in Washington? Well, that's not true. Uh, and you do the best you can with the least amount of opportunities you have and you still make an impact. That's debatable. Of course, I wouldn't accept those comments. Uh, but do you respect it because of the position he holds? You have to. But to accept that, no. Uh, so you respect it, but you don't accept it. He says, it's catch-22. I get where Jay's coming from, but I didn't accept it back then. Today I'm in a better position in life to come into this season. He'll be better too. Uh, and basically, uh, it sounds like they've kind of kissed and made up. He said, Standing said, did you talk to Jay at that point? And he said, I really didn't talk to him back then. Uh, that's when everybody started the whole, quote, he's going to be cut post June 1st thing. The stories that were out could have been dead, but they weren't. That was the biggest deal for me. Uh, and Standing kind of asked him about the media, kind of going back, spinning forward. He said, kept going, kept going. It could have been stopped, but it didn't. Get trade, cut, the whole thing could have been dead. It didn't, and it spewed on into something else and became bigger. He said, enough is enough. Let me just tell you something. You know, our job is not to kiss the ass of the athlete. A lot of times people do because we need access to the athletes and we need that relationship. My job is not to kiss anybody's ass, if I'm being totally blunt with you. I don't care 
what Josh Norman thinks about the reporting that I do or the stories that I put out there because I know where they're coming from and I know who they're coming from and I know they're truthful. Now, he doesn't have to like it, just like I don't have to like things about him. I like certain things about him. I don't like certain things about him. But for him to chastise the media, and he has done this in person too. Let me just leave it at that because I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about that exactly. But he has done it in person too. And he is still upset that he feels because he helps out the media and he talks to the media on a regular basis after games in the locker room once a week. He's really candid. He's really open. He tries to help out the media that nobody should be criticizing Josh Norman and nobody should be talking about Josh Norman's future and nobody should be speculating whether he's going to be a post-June first cut or cut or whatever the situation is. Here's the problem. We have no choice. We have no choice. That's the way the world works. If the Redskins come out and say, Hell no. No way. No chance. You guys are nuts. We're not trading this guy. We're not cutting this guy. We love him. He will absolutely... I guarantee you that would squash a lot of sentiment. But they didn't. They never would do that. Or they would rarely do that. That leads to speculation. Especially when the head coach casually, informally, formally, on the record, throws a couple of spears, a couple of daggers. Okay, Um, and the bottom line is this. Josh Norman doesn't have to like it, but it's a talking point. He makes a lot of money. He counts fourteen and a half million dollars under the salary cap and his performance has been nowhere close to the amount of money he's counted under the Redskins salary cap. Twenty million last year. Twenty. Twenty million. I believe it was in year two, excuse me. Um, it was a lot last year. I don't remember the exact number. Uh, but year four now, $14.5 million. And, yes, there's a huge dead money, cap money hit uh, that was, was restrictive to them getting rid of him before June 1st. It would have been $6 million. Now it's $3 million. This year, $3 million. Next year, I fully expect this to be Josh Norman's last year uh, in Washington. I'm sure he fully expects it to be. I pretty much think the organization thinks it will be. Uh, And the bottom line is is certain people had their way earlier in the offseason. They would have gotten rid of him because they were tired of the drama. And he's not good enough to kind of counter that drama and to not be as dedicated to football uh, as he is in their mind. And it's pretty evident to see. And he's admitted you know, this Hollywood stuff and the fact that he has other interests and other things going on in his life and uh, all of that. And that's fine. The NFL CBA allows him to do that and the system allows him to do that. That's not for everyone. And again, this was not a media driven thing. This was a football organization and coaching staff driven thing. The media is the conduit. He blames the media. I'm sure he's mad at Jay too. And I'm sure he's still mad at Jay, even though he seemingly kissed and played nice. Again, he's mad at the media for fueling this speculation. The media didn't fuel the speculation. His play, his contract number, the way the NFL works, and his head coach fueled this situation. Not the media. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, We'll do more on Josh Norman in the next episode of the Locked on Redskins podcast, but we're out of time. We're going to leave it right there. Thanks for being with us right here on LOR. This is episode number 257. Thanks for being with us. Have a great weekend, depending on when you are listening uh, to this. But thanks, as always, for listening and downloading the Locked on Redskins podcast. Adios.